everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Final day of the takeover is complete for the week. Jim Gazzolo in for RP3 with Hannah. RP will be back on Monday. Think he's going to rip me? I don't think so. I don't know. If he tries, let me know. I'll, I'll take care well, of it. You'll be here to know. I'll handle the business. You'll know before me. Jim Gazzolo, Hannah, five names. Yes. We hear Hannah a lot when I'm here. We do. But I, I, there's, we've learned a couple of things about Hannah this week, though, haven't we? <laughs> we've learned that for some reason she wrote a letter to herself. I was in told high to. She exchanged heavily in band smack. Yep. And I think we learned a little bit about you just thirty seconds ago. Can you please explain to me what your breakfast is right now? Okay, so my breakfast, which I really I just need something to eat because I'm here from 6 a.m. until about noon. But I have cotton candy grapes. I have uh, cookie dough bites, the confetti ones. Uh, nah, cookie dough bites I love. Yes, and it's like the ones that like this, the, the raw cookie dough bites. Nothing you're able better to for eat. you in the morning than cookie dough bites. Right. And then the Cool Ranch Flamin' Hot. Doritos. Flaming hot Doritos to start the day. Yeah. No cup of joe. No. No, I don't like coffee. No bagel. No donut. Just boom, right to the flaming hot Doritos. Yeah, because I don't have a toaster at my house, which they all know already. So. What? What? Whoa. I don't have a toaster. Why? Um, I don't know. I never, you know, thought to. Well, you are one. getting married, so please have that on your lip. Marriage I did list. put one. I there put, one, I put one on our list. And... If you want to get it this show, we're going to get into your marriage. We're going to get into, oh, do no. we have wedding cake picked out already? Uh, we don't yet. I'm looking for Uh-oh. one. I'm but, sorry. like, he's sorry. not. Well, the thing is that he's not very much a sweet treat person. So I'm going to have my um, stepdad's new wife. So, like, now my, like, the extra stepmom I have. Um, extra stepmom. Yeah, that's a whole other. That's like a, a whole that's, day. That's a, a poll question, maybe. Right. Uh, she's gonna sit and help me make a key lime pie for him because he nice. doesn't nice. really care for sweets that often. But you're also so. making it with your loving hands. Yes. Right. So the cake is gonna be just kind of like simple, but have something on it. I don't know yet. That's why it's not picked out. Okay. I, I I'll ask you this: What's on top of your wedding cake? What are you, you going to have on top? There Is there well, a theme to this wedding? Mine was not bears. not really a theme. Mine uh, was bears, obviously. No. <laughs> we don't really have a theme. You don't want cages? Somebody asked me. No, we didn't put anything like that. We actually found on Etsy shop that there was a cake topper that had you can like pick the groom and the bride and like what they looked like and like the hair color and stuff. Yeah. So we found one that had black hair for him and brown hair for me, and he's okay. like the groom is like he's like holding me, and the on the cake topper. But when you look at the height, 
that you would do if you put the woman next to the man yeah. is about a foot and some change taller for him than I. Because hmm. he's six foot five and I'm only like five foot four on a good day. Well, you don't have, I mean, it's not an exact replica, you know. No, it's not. But when you look at it, it's yeah. like, huh, oh, not like it'd be us. Do we have a poll question yet? Have you Did you pick one? <laughs> I mean, I have not picked one. Oh, I thought we had one. We had like four. You oh. give me like multiple options. <laughs> I true. think it should be if it should be you true. and I have a show together, and I bet most people would definitely comment. Yeah, they might comment. I don't know if I want to hear that comment. Maybe a good comment. Had some guy commenting about my shorts yesterday. Yeah, that was a good thing. Is it? <laughs> it's, that means they were listening to us on, on Tuesday. Or it means they were stalking me. No, they were just listening. I don't think you were stalking me. No, I don't think so. It's Friday. It is Friday. It is Friday. It is Friday. It is the last day of the week. The last day of the JG3 or JG1 or whatever they called me now. uh, Takeover of RP3. It is over today. Sad face. And I will probably be never invited back. I say that every time and they invite me back six months later because everybody else said no. That's the way I look at it. Everybody says no, so. Well, see, the reason that you were here for this week is I asked Ray if I could have you. Oh, you guest did host. Not. I did. did I said really? I would prefer to have Jim because him and I go back and forth, and he knows my my knowledge uh, extent. You tell me you don't know a lot about a lot of subjects. Though. You, yeah. you, you panic. You know. The other day, the other day you panicked because you had five minutes alone, and I said you'd I be fine. Did and you were fine. Yeah, but it still scared me. The 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 republic. My hands were still shaking. That the I republic did mine. not. The republic did not roll into the sea. It was fine. We survived. Yeah, we did. There have been worse moments in radio. Believe me. Probably. You you're probably gonna hear five of them right now. Unfortunately, a lot of things happening. A lot of things happening in sports. A lot of college football talk. I will give after the break the reason why McNeese is in the. Uh, predicament it is and have coming off its first two losing seasons since 1988. I will describe to you in exact detail why they're here and Sam Houston is an FBS. The moment in time it all changed. How's that for you? How's that for a tease? Sounds good to me. Alright, I'm going to ask you a couple of quick questions to get off the bat and get started because I, I want your take on this. Okay. And anybody out there, give us a call at the game hotline, 1-337-706-0111. That's 1-337-706-0111. We've had callers this week. It's been exciting. It's been interesting. We want to hear your opinion on this. But first of all, I want to start off with this. Brittany Griner got nine years sentencing. Do you care, first of all? Because my opinion is... I feel bad for her, but she knew what she was getting into when you travel abroad. You're warned about these things. She was warned to come home earlier. She didn't. She was one of the last ones there. She kind of made herself a a, a political target in some ways, and then she did do something illegal in that country. When you you know the eyes are on you, you've got to be smarter than that. Um, I I don't want to see anybody get nine years. But it's not America. And we try to tell people, America runs differently when you go abroad. What is your take on that? Do you, do you have a take? Or do you have no opinion because you don't care? Yeah, it's not, 
care. You really don't care? No. You do know who Brittany Griner is, right? Yeah. Okay. I brought it up when it first came out, but I didn't, like... I don't know about all the facts either, so maybe not. Well, the facts know. are the facts are always going to be who you listen to. She did plead guilty. Um, she did have apparently have the stuff in her bag. It, is it a huge deal? No. But the problem is, it, it's more of a lesson for everybody else that travels that you're not in your country. The laws you think that follow you don't follow you when you go other places. And if you're an athlete and you're a pro athlete in that country and you're making money from that country, and she's made more money, far more money playing in Russia than she could in the United States, that's a completely different topic. But if you're going to do that, you have to follow their laws. And I I feel bad for her, but I don't think it's something that I want to go to war for. Or it's something that I think should become a political football or a big tool or change our our policies because at the end of the day she's not alone there's a lot of americans that are in the same boat that we're not rambling over or talking about so i feel for them just as bad but i do say this you've got to know where you're at you've got to follow the laws of where you're at even if you know i I do feel bad, though, and I I understand the dilemma. I understand the dilemma that puts the country in. I understand it, the the black eye it gives us. But you got to – I don't know. You got to – to me, nine years is awfully stiff. I don't. I think they'll get her out. I think it'll eventually come to some agreement. But you were warned. If you're warned – meanwhile, in other sports news <laughs> – Deshaun Watson's going to play in the preseason, the Browns say. Now, here's a nice black eye for the NFL. He could be suspended for a year. He's definitely suspended for at least six to eight games. What is it, eight games? Six games? Six games. Six games. As of now. Yes, a shockingly small six games. But the Browns say, well, we're going to play him in the preseason. Even though, what if he gets suspended for the whole year? Are you still playing him in the preseason? You can play him. Okay, you really can? Yeah. It, so it, it only unless refers to the regular season? It's only the regular season unless they change it and say you can't be, you cannot. I mean, they could suspend you from the facilities too. But otherwise, it's an exhibition game. They've always said as long as you're not suspended from the facilities, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. I, we're, in, we're in completely uncharted waters with the NFL on this because – that may be the face. worst thing they could do is play him and then suspend him for a year. That would suck. That would, that would be the most. Not even like as much for the fan base, but just like for Sean Watson to be like, dang. He's going to basically play the games like, that don't matter and yeah. then not get paid for an entire year, maybe. It's like, here you go. Here's a little cookie just for you. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I'm here, here, blow out After your like AC- one bite. <laughs> blow out your ACL for your career for free. How's that? Just so the owners can make a few extra bucks on you. And some TV no- oh. That I got to believe their first game is going to be on TV then. <laughs> it's a preseason game, isn't it? It's got to be the prime game somewhere. It probably Suspended is. Suspended Deshaun Watson. Or, if, or at least for, if it wasn't, it's probably going to figure out a way to be on TV now. Uh, now, starting so for your Cleveland figure. Browns.
<laughs> your 2023 quarterback, Sean Watson. Yeah, that was a good move to get him. That was a really good move. Yeah. Who didn't see this coming? Hmm. I. <laughs> and then after the break, we're also going to get into how'd you like to be Kirby Smart of Georgia and make $112 million? I love the Kirby Smart. Can I be his friend? $112 million, almost all guaranteed, as long as he doesn't get fired for cause between now and I think it's January 31st, 2024, 2025, it's all pretty much guaranteed. But we're going to pick on the kids for deciding, I want to go play somewhere else. $112 million. And suddenly Nick Saban's agent is in the office of the Alabama athletic director. Hey, what's going on? What about my guy? Nick Saban telling the world last year was a a, uh, rebuilding year for Alabama. I don't know. But we'll we'll get into Deshaun Watson a little later on. We'll get into Kirby Smart a little later on. Because I want to hear... Your take at one three three seven seven zero six zero one one one. The game hotline. I want to hear your take on is one hundred twelve million enough? Have we now reached the limit for college coaches? Are you really concerned about the student athlete at one hundred twelve million? This is the game. One zero three seven Lafayette. One zero four one Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. There are two types of sports reporters. Those who are respected for their ability at building relationships with coaches and players. And here's our game plan. Then there are those whose method of reporting is getting hammered with a college football team and Pat O's. We're going streaking! We'll let you guess which one RP3 is. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Red Hot Astros, big winners last night, by the way, 4-0 over or, uh, over Cleveland. Um, take on the Baltimore Orioles on August 27th, and you can be there. Register the game clubhouse for score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations for that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, La Meridian, Houston, downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Do we have a poll question finally, Hannah? And it yes. cannot be, does Hannah get her own show? Yeah, it apparently can't. It's <laughs> fine. Um, anyway, They can text in that on their own if they want. Yes. Um, so how many games will Deshaun Watson actually be suspended for? One, six, 12, or comment your number of games. Good. I like it. Thank you. I think he gets the whole year, but I, that's my own. That's my own opinion. I mean, I think, yeah, I don't think six is enough for what he, as says, allegedly did. But like, allegedly, you say allegedly, because that's what they say. That's, that's the I know term. That's, that's the that's the journalism one hundred and one. Always put the word allegedly. You won't get sued. But he did, for better terms, plead out twenty three of the twenty four by settling 
At some mm-hmm. point when you settle, you're kind of admitting, yeah, something happened. Yeah, it's like, I don't eh, want to say what happened. <laughs> Either that or you're just it. extremely rich and just don't care and just want to get away from it. Yeah, that's And if true. so, then maybe he did something and I just want 50 bucks. But, I mean, that's you get into a whole other territory. So I like to say if you do settle, you're accepting some level of guilt. Yeah. Culpability is a great word for it. Culpability is the best word. James Lasko at 702-815, Nick Fontenot, and Luke Johnson at 832 today. Yep. Now, that's a lineup. That is a great right. lineup. So here we go with my McNeese story. It's I'm ready. December, the first Saturday in December of 2015. McNeese had just beaten three weeks earlier Sam Houston State to win the Southland Conference Championship. They are, even though they played LSU that year, they are undefeated because the game at LSU got rained out. They only played, I think, 10 plays. McNeese held LSU scoreless, and it was (laughs) 0-0. And the rains came, and the rains came, and the rains came. So McNeese is 10-0. They're the number three seed in the country. They have not won a playoff game since 2002, and they are going to do it. And Sam Houston comes to town a... Up-and-coming FCS program, but basically North McNeese has beaten them pretty pretty handily of late and beat them fairly easily earlier that year. And McNeese is losing by four points with about seven minutes left. They go on a drive to win the game or presumably win the game. They get to first and goal at the one-yard line. One yard! Three measly feet. And on first down, as they look to go take the lead, win the game, move on to the quarterfinals, a young freshman tight end, barely put in the game, jumps offside. And then there's a holding penalty. And then there's a clipping penalty. Throw an intentional grounding, throw in two sacks, and a fairly poor effort of an end around and suddenly it's fourth and goal from the 48 <laughs> and McNeese is punting and okay they still have a good defense they still have a good offense there's four minutes left they'll get the ball back they get all three timeouts they never get the ball back two running first downs games over seasons over boom at that moment Matt Viator becomes an unbelievably good candidate for the Louisiana Monroe job, a job he couldn't interview for if they had a game the next week. He gets the job. McNeese turns to Lance Guidry. They go downhill, go on academic probation, storms hit, and then back-to-back losing seasons in 2021 for the first time in the century, for the first time since Ronald Reagan was president. They lose back-to-back seasons. Ronald Reagan, George Bush the first, 88-89. That's 1988-1989 for you. Sam Houston State wins that game, wins the next game, goes to the quarterfinals, then to the semifinals. Ends up going to two national championships from that point, uses a springboard, wins the national championship in the spring of 2021, and uses that to get to FBS. 
McNeese hasn't recovered, and Sam Houston State hasn't looked back. All because of one yard they couldn't get, three feet. Now, I've written that a few times, and I've talked about it. But that's how much everything matters. And I know that's taking a lot of things for granted as what happened that followed, but that is basically the dominoes that fell for both teams. And as I've said, McNeese still outdraws Sam Houston State, but the optics of what you're bringing to the situation comes from that one win and that one game. That's why I say this, more than anything else, is the most important college football season for McNeese. If they can win, be competitive, look good, and optically draw crowds, they become a very attractive Conference USA possibility. If they don't, this is what they are. They've missed the boat. Then is Rick Sarr right in the thinking that they Rick will never right, be able to get to FBS in three years? You think if they have a good season this season? I think they I think they get to FBS because I think I think Gary Goff will, will do a good enough job and I think the crowds will come back. I think they get to FBS. Yeah, three years is about right. Three years is about right for them to be ready. Because this the 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 press box will be back up, the facility will be back up built. They'll have three years under Goff as a recruiting. They'll probably have things rolling a little bit. So yeah, three years is a good is a good barometer and a good time frame. But there is a possibility it happens sooner because I think a lot of things are going to shift when the Power Fives finally figure out what the power conferences are. And ultimately, it won't be McNeese saying, we're ready. It'll be somebody saying, we need you. Or we need a filler. Or we're losing two more teams. We need to fill those spots. That I think that's what's going to happen. This is this is a, a kind of like almost like a life changing type of season for a McNeese, depending on what this goes is. A, on. This is a program. This is a program changer. Yes, they have to get this. They had to get this hire right. They've they've blown it with three their three past hires. They've hired guys from that were coordinators and coaches from Division One coming down, and what that did was that allowed them all these coaches to say, "What don't I have? I don't have as many shoes. I don't have." You know, and ask for, well, when I was at LSU, we got this. When I was at Marshall, we had this. When I was, and, and they looked around and they said, I don't have the facilities I had. You bring Gary Goff up, who's coming up from Division II, Valdesta State, a very good program, but still coming up from Division II. He looks around and says, man, I've got a lot more than I've ever had. I'm happy yeah. to be here. So it's, I think they learned their lesson that they're better off taking head coaches from the lower levels and promoting them because they're more grateful for what they got and they're giving them more than taking guys who are coordinators from above because they look around and say, what don't I have? And what, and I want to get back to that. Yeah. Makes sense. It's a perspective that's completely different and it's not something that McNeese usually does. They usually would say either next person in the McNeese line of command up or, where can we get the next hot conference guy that lands a big name? And they went name hunting. This time, and also, he Schroer made the pick. Be, make no mistake about it. That was his oh, pick. Oh, yeah, that was him. In the past, 
it was a group of alumni, fans, board of directors, and a bunch of people that kind of came up with a list and went after. So this guy was more vetted. He was watched a couple of times on how he practiced and how he played and his teams played, and he was his pick. So this is the best they've done as far as recruiting and getting a coach, too, because they have made the commitment that, and it's also the most they've ever paid. So there's a lot of things that go into this. If this fails, uh, as I can say, they're teetering between wanting to be UL and Northwestern State. If this fails, they've got to accept their Northwestern State. If they succeed, then they can go join the ULs and the Monroes in that area. So it's a tough, it's a big year for them for that reason. Yeah. It's, it's a, I mean, here the story that like, you know, he spoke on like on how he got golf and, you know, everything golf said, they got the caravan. It was all yes. like the things you want to hear, the things that, you can see a program do well because he's like, I'll, I kept getting asked questions. You know, you don't have a quarterback. Yeah. You don't have this. You got this. And I was like, gosh, dang. <laughs> yeah. But everyone, he had an answer for that he is, thinks he has done right and has gotten he that he needed. Yes. And, and it's good. Also, he had, and the thing, the, the great story about the Schwerer thing is he actually has to pan, he has to sit out <laughs> extra. He's sitting in a Valdesta, Georgia. Waffle House, mm-hmm. waiting for golf to land, and the plane, his plane, Valdesta State's team plane from the national championship game in Division Two, has to be rerouted to, ironically, Pensacola, Florida, where the number two guy was sitting <laughs> for the job because of because of weather, and Schwerer's sitting there with a private plane, willing to whisk him back to Lake Charles. And he can't get him into town, let alone on the plane. And he's like, I hope nobody. And so he signed. He actually signed the contract at the airport when he greeted the the Valdesta team plane coming off. Yeah. So I mean, this gave him a chance to at least sell his team and everything. No, he did. They did. The, the, so. He told his he told his team that morning, and he told he had told the AD the night of the championship game, and he told his team in the morning, and on the plane ride back, they knew and they got to spend their time. But uh, it was a pretty whirlwind moment because there was there's an hour and a half or two hours where the story's breaking, but it can't really break because they're sitting in a Waffle House waiting to sign the guy. Yeah, and I, you know, how many cups you of know. coffee? How much? How many waffles can you eat in the morning? That well, I, I can barely eat one. Well, I think he ate a bunch. I think he said something. He, he, he was. He meant he was. <laughs> he said he was very nervous that something bad was going to happen. Yeah, but hey, they got him. They did Bang. get him. So now we'll see where it goes. But that that's kind of the story of McNeese. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for Tigers Astros. We'll be back after this. Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, we're back in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. Can help you with your date night blues. That's because 
Once you become a member of our Red Li- or our Rewards Club, you will never have or you will have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou or $50 gift certificate to Arcadiana Bar and Grill or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. I almost did it. Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go to sign up today and lose the dating blues. Hannah, I want to thank you. I, I, it's like I'm hearing a whole new world with these uh, earplugs you gave me. No problem, Bob. Okay. No, uh, no prob, Bob. Okay. Name's not Bob, but it rhymes. I got you. I, I got you. I understand the concept. I just <laughs> just caught me a little bit off guard. How's that? Everybody apparently. They always go, "Who's Bob?" I'm like, "It's, it's not a." Do we have an Do we have an early poll question, Leonard? Yes. So as of now, uh, so our poll question was: How many games will Deshaun Watson actually be suspended for? One, six, twelve, or comment your number. So we have leading it at fifty-five percent with six, followed by thirty-six percent for coming their own, nine percent for twelve, and zero percent for one. We also have comments, which John Paul Cajun Daddy says eight. The NFL should make it for next year. His contract is backloaded with anticipation of the suspension. Well, that's true. That that's <laughs> that's a little rough, but that's true. That is very true. Yes. And then Hart says anything less than a full season feels like an insult to a lot of people. Six is laughable considering that's what they give the PED violations. Yeah. Yeah. That's there true. has to be some form of consistency across the board, which hasn't been the case so far with the NFL APA. Uh, JBK the OD says Roger Dodger Goodell wants him gone for the year. He will get the year off. Maybe this will keep the NFL's version of the Eye of the Soren off the Saints for a while. I don't know what that is. Uh, that has to, I'm sure that has to do with Bounty Gate. <laughs> Maybe. People, Saints fans still aren't over that. They still aren't over that. And then... Look, look, Saints fans, it got you the Kevin James movie. There's nothing else that got you Kevin James. Uh, here's a question that I'm going to ask before I do so. A question? Never mind. I got it now. Okay. Um, I found, I found the, the reply came back on the internet. Okay. Uh, and then Darren sent uh, a gif and it's of Michael Jordan and it's him putting up the six. Okay. It's going a long way, but I'm sure Michael Jordan's happy to be associated with Deshaun Watson in any way possible. <laughs> I mean, well, he I, put up six fingers, so he thinks six you. games. That was their sixth title and last title, by the way. Last title. Yep. Probably last title in the history of the Bulls, the way it goes. All right. D- Deshaun Watson. Yep. Browns say they're going to play him in the preseason. Almost no matter what, because it, if you're going to tell me this is figured out before the first preseason game, no way. There's no way. It's a, it's a, we're a week. We're two weeks away from a preseason starting. I, there's no way the NFL is going to solve it. The worst thing they can do optically to me is have him play in the preseason and then not play him for a year. That is a slap in the face. Anything less than 
a year, to me, really should rub Saints fans the wrong way because of the Bounty Gate suspensions. I know they're different things in different scenarios, but th- this is not an isolated case with him. It's 24 lawsuits, 23 of which he settled, which gives you some amount of guilt. And all you're getting is basically a quarter a lawsuit. That means that's a, that's a quarter of a game per offense. That just seems like it's very light when you consider the when you consider the six games for PEDs. You are basically telling the women of America that PEDs is just as bad as what he did. And that I don't know. That that to me is tone death on what society's all about right now. That just means you do not understand what's out there in the culture. Or you're just afraid of what's out there in the culture. Or you're afraid of the NFL PA. Or you're afraid of losing a marketed guy. That, I don't know. <sighs> Kirby Smart, $112.5 million. Is he the best college football coach, Anna? Uh, okay. No. I'm going to say Nick Saban is. You're going to say, why does everybody say Nick Saban? It's all that everyone wants to talk about. It's why they have all the extra cameras on media day just for him. Actually, Nick Saban is – SEC media day is the funnest day because it used – I loved it when it was – when it was uh, Steve Spurrier was up there. But you've got a lot of good coaches now to talk. Yeah. I mean, you've got – you've got the lane train. You've got Jimbo Fisher. A host of guys that were supposed to be coaching at LSU are up there on the podium. A lot of names that were rumored at LSU. Yeah. Uh, so it, that's a personality-driven room. But Nick Saban's not the best personality, but he has some of the wildest stuff to say. That is true. I mean, saying Alabama goes to the national championship game and it was a rebuilding year, yeah. But I don't know. Sounds a little disingenuous. I mean, they did win the SEC title. They did beat Georgia fairly easily in the SEC title game. So it's not like they were crushed. They lost the national championship, and that's because they had to play them twice, But which all doesn't seem fair to me. Uh, but I think we're going to see a lot more of it moving forward when we expand. Please expand the playoffs. Just expand the playoffs. Uh, we're going to get into a little bit more in the show, but I want people to think out there, what do you think or which team do you think McNeese, UL, or LSU will have the best season? And what does the best season mean for each one? It's going to be different for each school. Each school is a different set of circumstances going on. Each said, all have three new coaches. They're all going to have three new quarterbacks. But what does victory look like for each group? We'll get into that after the break. 1037 The Game, Lafayette. 1037 The Game, Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And you're home for LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We're back. Hour number one on Friday. My last day of the takeover of RP3. 
Raymond comes back on Monday and will probably tell you all the things I did wrong. And there's going to be a bunch of them, by the way. Hornus Wagner card, a rare, the T206 card of Hornus Wagner. Do you even know who Hornus Wagner is, Anna? No, but his name's funny. Okay. Famous baseball player. His card mm-hmm. went for seven point, let me get this right, $7.25 million. You got $7.25 million to throw around on a baseball card? No. If you do, it's pretty good. If you, do your Kirby, if you do your Kirby Smart at $112 million. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What does winning look like? We all know winning is a championship. I don't think McNeese, UL, or LSU is going to win a national championship this year. So to the fans out there, I want to hear, what do you think winning looks like this year for those three programs? My take on it is different for all three programs. They're all three in different places. For LSU, I think they got. I think they got to be a, uh, at least seven and five, but eight and four. Eight and four sounds like what I think they'll do. Seven and five is is the least acceptable number. Anything after that, you're six and six. You're in the same place you were last year. You got to see some progress. But it's who you beat with LSU. It's almost who you beat. More importantly, you get an extra brownie point for beating Alabama. You better beat Texas A&M because you don't want to start losing to them. But really, you can't slip consistently behind Arkansas. Yeah. I mean, you're picked for – you're LSU. You're picked for fifth. You're picked for fifth in the SEC West. Fifth. That's hard to believe. And if you start losing them, you start losing recruits to them. So I think they want to be 7-8-4. and four. I think they want to finish third or no worse than third in the SEC West and get a nice, roughly Florida Bowl, some type of Florida Bowl. Didn't go to a bowl game last year on their own, but I think they. you want to get back to a bowl. You want to start giving things happening, seeing things progress. I think all those things would be positive. At UL, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they'll do 11-1. and one. They're not going to do 11 and 1, no. I don't think. But I think for UL, I think 9 and 3 would be good for them. But I think 8 and 4 would be good for McNeese and for LSU to have. 8 and 4 would be amazing. Well, McNeese only plays set 11 games. Uh, 8 and 3 would be amazing for McNeese. 7 and 4 would be, I think, where they're going to where they're going to be around. They're going to finish 6 and 5, 7 and 4. Um, with progress shown. UL is an interesting case because I I didn't realize until Kevin Foote said it yesterday. They're 13 and 1 in the last 2 years on one possession football games. 13 and 1. Now that's outstanding and shows you you know how to win games. But it is also scary that those games are that close. And one bounce here, one bounce there, and suddenly those aren't wins. Mm-hmm. So there is that is a huge tide turner. If they can win their division and be nine and three, I think that's a good year to come off of what they had. But that's a conference that uh, 
there's some feuding in that conference, which means which makes it interesting. UL and Coastal Carolina, not probably the best of friends. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, so, I don't like any co-champions. I don't like that. Well, that was just. But be the fact that you the fact that you let a team benefit by not playing a football game, and and made UL fly all the way there, that's wrong. Yeah, and I think that like our record still was better, so I don't know why we we're co-champions, but you know it's whatever. Well, it wasn't because they were undefeated overall. the the thing The thing was, if he won the conference championship, the what looked bad is the bonus money he got, the head coach at Coastal Carolina. He got a bonus money for not, essentially not playing a football game. And he would have had to have played with some inferior players because some of them were sick with the co- with COVID and that and under COVID protocol. So they would have had to play, I think, without their quarterback and some other key positions. So he kind of said, well, we don't have enough people to play. But I... I I think when everybody's there, I think they probably did. <laughs> and they took the uh, easy way out. And when you do that, way, so. when mm. you do that, some fingers are going to be pointed to you. Everybody yeah. else found a way to play. You got to, mm-hmm. it just looks mm-hmm. bad to say, and they're co-champs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that that's the Sun Belt also backing out and not, not taking a stand. I liked the next year they came back and said, if you're the reason why the game is not played, you forfeit the game. I do like that. In other words, take care of your own staff, take care of your own people, take care of your own. But all three programs have new coaches. All three programs are going to have new quarterbacks. All three programs are headed in different directions. So what does winning mean to each school? And how much is the fan base going to accept the games that are lost and which games are lost? I don't think LSU could come out and lose to Florida State in the opening game. In the Superdome, I think that is an opportunity for Brian Kelly to say the past is now the past. Yeah. That is the ultimate let's go. Where McNeese, they got to go to Montana State. I don't think they have a chance in the opener. Worst possible opening they could have, almost, except for going to North Dakota State, the number one team in the country. So, you got a poll question update quick, or do we have time for it? Yeah, so right now, leading it still is the 6K, which is 57%, 29, 28% for comment your own, 16 for 12, and still zero for one. Well, it's not going to be one, so. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. We'll be back after the break. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. We're back for hour number two. Jim Gazzolo in for RP3 as the takeover continues. 
final day. Right now, um, do we have James? We have James Lasco on the phone from Lima Time Time Podcast. And James, how you doing? Not too bad. How are you doing? I'm doing good. And I guess the first question when it comes to the Astros after last night is, uh, where'd Justin Verlander get the fountain of youth? <laughs> I think it has to do with Kate Upton. Uh, that would be that would be wow, that would be my guess. <laughs> that's not bad. Um, obviously, he's the front runner for the Cy Young of the American League. But also, last night he cashed in a, a twenty-five million dollar bonus, didn't he? For the option. Yeah, I think he did. Um, and you know what what he's what he's done. You know, I, I wouldn't say I don't know that that anybody could have expected what what he's done so far this season but but when you look at at sort of his work ethic and and how how seriously he he takes every single start you know it's it's not the most surprising thing but it, it's also not really out of the question to sort of put him in the same category as as like a tom brady you know the the yeah. the sort of the unfathomable success that at his age and so it's it's just every Every Verlander start is is absolutely appointment television. And I, I think it's amazing because he's not only at his age, but he's just coming off the Tommy John. You don't see that all the time with advanced age pitchers coming back and being stronger as they come back. Right. And I, I think we're, we're sort of used to, to pitchers being, you know, the better, you know, when they come back from Tommy John surgery, but, but it's, it's pretty rare to see someone, someone have it at, at his age. Um, but considering that that he had you know almost two years off between yeah. between starts, um, you know it, it, he I, he probably did have a little bit more time on the Tommy John timeline um, to sort of come back and get stronger. But but again, I don't know anybody could have predict could have predicted this. Well, fifteen and three, a one point seven three ERA by getting to one hundred thirty innings pitched last night. He kicks in his option for twenty five million next year. All right, moving ahead to (laughs) – And, you know, you think like, oh, one start got you $25 million, and there's not a single person that thinks, oh, man, that sucks. That's $25 million already committed to to next year's payroll. Like, it's it's still a bargain for Justin Berlander. Anytime you can get a number one starter, it's a bargain. All right, moving into last week, uh, let's say, and when they had to go in and look to what they want to do, obviously they're going to win the division – but they were looking at the Yankees and how to beat the Yankees and how to win the American League. Were they not when they went and got Trey Mancini? Yeah, I think so. But I, I also think the Yankees were were sort of doing the same thing. Oh yeah, and uh, approaching and approaching the trade deadline. You know, they they got, you know, they they made deals with with Oakland and and got you know Lou Trevino, who's who's had some success against Altuve and Bregman. Um, so uh, yeah, I think both team, I think both the Astros and Yankees kind of had their eye on each other. You know, as they as they approached the trade deadline. There was a lot of talk that they wanted to get do something else in center field. Were they close to that, do you think, or was that kind of a pipe dream they couldn't get to? I think, you know, if if it's a deal that that would have made sense, um, you know, they they absolutely would have pulled the trigger. Um, and whether whether they had something in the works and and the other team just was asking too much, you know, the Astros have a of a pretty long history of of not of not overpaying uh, in the trade in the trade market, so you know they they set their value, um, you know they they sort of know the numbers as far as you know future value and and all of that, and and if it doesn't make sense, they're not going to make the deal, even if it's even if it's a, in addressing a, a 
a position of need. Do they? Obviously, we don't have the famous waiver wire trade of the past well, nowadays. But do they have some help in the minor leagues that are that are close to where they could maybe fill in if something were to happen? They do. Um, you know, you've got uh, you know who's uh, it? Pedro Leon, mm-hmm. uh, Hunter Brown, the pitcher at Sugarland, is is just sort of waiting for an opportunity. Uh, and I think in in part the Astros were comfortable trading Jake Odorizzi just because Hunter Brown is is right there. So as soon as there's an opening, you know he's 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 going to be up. Um, so yeah, I mean every, everyone kind of talks about you know the Astros farm system how it's it's not that great, uh, but the point of having a farm system is to improve your major league team. Uh, and so, you know, the, there, there are some places where, where if, if there is an opening, you know, they, they can, they can promote from within. Yeah. You don't want to have a good minor league system for seven or eight years. You want to promote those guys and, and have it work right. out. Yeah, no, I'm, I, you know, there was, uh, a lot of, just because of, of sort of how the, the Astros process started, you know, 10 years ago, uh, I'm guilty of this. I, I was, I, I had a very acute case of prospect attachment syndrome. Um, and where you, you know, you, you, you want yeah. those, you want to be thought highly of by fan graphs and Keith law and people like that. But, you know, with leading the division by, by 12 games is, is better than having a, having a number one ranking from fan graphs. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a white Sox fan. So I've gone, I'm going through that as now, of, <laughs> well, let's get rid of the prospects and get some trade value. <laughs> right. Uh, um, was the getting of Smith from Atlanta strictly to combat the short Yankee fence and the lefties it, on the Yankees? It, it, it very well could be. You know, the, and, and the Astros did not have a lefty in the bullpen. Uh, not that they'd perform, you know, and the righties in the bullpen had actually performed pretty, have, have performed very well against lefty hitters. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's just, it's another look. Um, mm-hmm you know, for, for opposing hitters. And, and yeah, you know, I, I think that, you know, everything about the trade deadline was, was to, to match up better against, against the Yankees, because, you know, the, like you said, the division is, is pretty much wrapped up. Does the, uh, does the, I guess the one thing I've seen with all the trades, I think the one thing that caught my eye was the Luis Castillo trade to the Mariners, because that's a game one playoff starter. Is that something that the the Astros are now aware of that the Mariners are suddenly, hey, we've got an ace where they didn't have it before? Yeah, I, I mean, maybe. Um, you know, and, and it's 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 gonna that what Seattle's trying to do is simply to make the playoffs. Uh, yeah. you know, that's something they haven't done since since what, two thousand and one? Um and so, you know, it, good for the Mariners. You know, I, I, I do think, you know, in terms of, of what they gave up, they gave up an awful lot to get to get yeah. Luis Castillo. But, but when you're when you're trying to make the playoffs for the first time in a generation, you know, I, I, I can understand kind of what they're doing. But yeah, you know, I don't I don't know that anyone on the Astros would overlook the Mariners. Um, but but it was a, it was a good pickup by by them. It's a it's a strange year in this. Is it's the first year of we're going to have buys in the playoffs. We're going to have things where you're going to be looking at seeding in the playoffs differently than you ever have before because you have buys. How do you keep your team ready through a buy? And and for the Astros, they've got two things here. They have to get ready for the playoffs, but they also got to try and maybe catch the Yankees for home field all the way around. 
Do you think that's how is that going to be for Dusty to kind of juggle playing time, buy time, and make sure they stay fresh because there's a bye week coming? Yeah, no, I, I think you know the the Astros have 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 made deep postseason runs, you know, since since 2017. So you know, I I don't think that that you do anything drastic uh, in terms of of I don't I don't know that you try to game the seeding. Of course, you want to try to 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 get the number one overall seed, um, but but you know you sort of trust the guys that have been there before, and pretty much everybody's been there before. So you know I don't I don't think you have to stress out too much about about making sure that everyone's ready to go because you know this all year. You know, the Astros are at the point now where where everything is, you know, the way the AL West is structured is that is that the 162 game season is just kind of a formality until you get to October. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, you know, I I don't know that they have to try to get too cute uh, with, uh, you know, with lineups or, or motivation or anything like that. Clearly, they don't fear the Yankees. They, They probably want to play the Yankees, don't they? Oh, I can't. I, I would have every single per, every single player on that team is is looking forward to it, to an ALCS against against the Yankees. I think all their fans are too. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. It's it's because it's been it's been incredibly fun. Uh, you know, since 2015 to to bounce the Yankees from the playoffs. <laughs> and that's that's kind of been the Astros' tradition of late. Is they seem to own the Yankees in the playoffs. I I do have this. Is there an X factor moving forward that maybe is under the radar guy that you see coming through at the end or in the playoffs that they're going to need? I mean, you know, at some point in the next couple of weeks, the, the Astros are going to get Lance McCullers back, uh, which is, which is in, in whichever role, you know, that, that may be, whether, whether they just slot him right back in the, in the rotation, which is kind of what it looks like they'll do um, or in, in sort of a relief role uh, and to have to, you know, you can't really argue with with the Astros rotation at the moment and and to think about the possibility of of having Lance McCullers come in uh towards the end of the game you know that's 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 insane so you know if it, I'm looking I'm looking at Lance McCullers I'm also looking to see if Michael Brantley comes back this year mm-hmm. you know you have you have one of the best pure hitters in the game that hasn't played in in almost 6 weeks um how is he going to recover? Is he going to recover from from that from that shoulder injury that that he got? Because uh, those those could possibly be two massive pickups. What about a, a Yuri Gurriel kind of revival at the end of the year here? He's had a tough year, but what could he possibly bring as kind of extra punch that they haven't seen much this year? Yeah, no, I mean if if he, he he's been hitting better, he got off to such a terrible start uh, the first month of the season that he's he's actually hit a whole lot better. Uh, lately, it's just that that it was so bad at the beginning of the year that it you know you look in the box score and it, it doesn't look that impressive. Um, so he's gonna he's gonna give you elite defense at, at first base, and then whatever pop you could get from from Guriel uh, is is just sort of gravy at that point. Getting the catcher from Boston seems to be an easy fit. It doesn't seem like it's gonna ruffle anybody's feathers. And I know you want to keep that that uh, consistency and cohesiveness between the rotation and the catchers. How's he going to slide in? Yeah, I mean, he's a veteran. You know, I, I think he's probably pretty excited to uh, to go from from Boston to, you know, in, in the middle of where, where, where October is kind of a foregone conclusion at this point. Uh, <clears throat> where I think, I, I think he, he would be 
you know, because because he's not going to unseat Maldonado mm-hmm. as as sort of the the number one catcher. Uh, but but he should be he should be catching guys like Arquiti uh, and Garcia. The, and it, and and just in his couple of starts, you know, you you see a little bit of a different approach from uh, from both of those guys. So so it's it, it, it that was a that was a really nice pickup, especially with you know that Jason Castro might might be done for his career, and and Corey Lee doesn't look like he's ready just yet. And it doesn't it doesn't hurt that the two guys I, I'm intrigued by the two guys you went out and got. Mancini and the catcher both come from the AL East. Both are used to playing in big games against the Yankees and aren't going to be intimidated by Yankee Stadium. Yeah, no, and and you know there I, there were some people question Mancini and and kind of looking at his numbers, but but you saw exactly why they went and got him. You know, just just the other day when he the home run that he hit into the Crawford boxes that is that is not a home run at at Camden Yards, and so. You know, you go out and get the player that that is best suited, you know, not just for your team and, and how versatile they are playing around the field. But, you know, if, if he had been playing at, at Minute Maid the entire season, you know, you're looking at 20, 25 home runs just because of how the field is configured. So, you know, it, it was I, if, if anyone was scratching their head that, that then they needed to stop scratching their head at that moment. No. And also the people have to remember that. Look at his numbers before this year when they reconfigured Camden Yard, and he was a pretty productive player and very solid. So no, that was a, I think that was a great pickup. Yeah, no, it was you know I don't I don't know that too many people were thinking you know heading into the trade deadline you know Trey Mancini, um, but but you know well done by the front office to 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 to, to identify the guy and then go get it. I want, thank you, James, for your time this week. And uh, I, by the way, I love the Jose Lima take on your Lima time, ah. time podcast. Anytime you can Always throw Jose Lima, Lima in there. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. All right. James Lasco time from Lima time, time podcast on the Astros. Astros look great last night against Cleveland winning the first game of four game series. They're going to make the playoffs. Now it's how deep do you go and how do you handle? I, I want to see how teams handle getting a buy in baseball. We've never had buys in baseball. We're going to have them this year. We'll be back on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. August 5th, 1973. Atlanta Braves legendary pitcher Phil Necro no-hits the San Diego Padres in a 9-0 victory. It is the first no-hitter for the franchise in Atlanta. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Rolling along on a Friday. Jim Gazzola in for RP3. Hand out the poll question. Do we have an update? Do we have? Uh, sorry. (laughs) It was all the way up. (laughs) Oops. So, let's see. And our poll question is, how many games will Deshaun Watson actually be suspended for? 1, 6, 12, or comment your own number. We have still leading at 48%, 6. A tie for 26% at 12, and comment your own, and still 0 for 1. Because everybody's supposed to know that's not going to happen. Yeah, I think that's pretty pretty obvious that's not going to happen. Yeah. 
Uh, Todd on Twitter says, I hate to say this, but because I want him suspended indefinitely, but don't forget a court of law has not found him guilty of anything. We are all 99% sure he did it and believe he deserves more than he's getting, but the only court utilized is the court of public opinion, so not in games. Well, I, the, the, they have decided not to indict, so the criminal court has obviously said there's not enough evidence. He's obviously admitted that something happened wrong, otherwise he wouldn't have paid it out. So you're always caught in that what is legally criminal and what is the social reality. And I don't know. I'm just surprised he got six games only. And again, that's not this is the NFL taking care of its image. It's not a criminal case here. So it's not one of those things where the NFL has to. They have a image they want to uphold. The NFLPA is going to have an image they want to uphold. Deshaun Watson has an image he wants to uphold. Yeah. We're a long way away from the end of this. And then uh, Salty Steve has a long one that I'm going to read anyway. He says, why is everyone so outraged over Watson's suspension? You go to church if you want to hear scripture. You go to school to learn. You go to a restaurant to eat. You go to a sporting event to watch sports. And I guess you go to a massage parlor to talk about the weather. Really, this is a money... (laughs) This is a money grab by questionable women in a very questionable prof- profession. I'm not saying they deserve Watson's advances, but they know they the business they were in to begin with. Personally, I don't care if he gets life. It says, my point may be controversial, but it's what everybody wants to say and are afraid to voice their opinion. Oh, I think a lot of people have voiced that opinion. <laughs> now, is it controversial? Eh. I, I think it's, I, I think, uh, what is it, Salty Steve, you said? Yes. I it's think Friday. He's, I think no salt Friday, but I think he just made him turn salty. I think he's uh I think he's on to something about the uh, this is where how much does the NFL and how much do we ask professional athletes to be different than regular people? Because if you're a regular person doing what Deshaun Watson did, would we one we wouldn't know about it. Two, it probably wouldn't affect your business unless you got arrested um, criminally. And three, do we need to hold athletes up to higher standards? I've not, I'm a little Charles Barkley-ish on this. I don't think your child, your heroes in life should be athletes. Maybe I've known them too many. Maybe I've seen too many of them. When I was a kid, I had I had sports athletes that I admired, I looked up to, I wanted to be like because I liked them on TV, but I didn't hold them up as my heroes of life. Yeah, They were not my role models. My role models, and I, I hate to say this because it sounds corny, my role models were the people that fed me. <laughs> it was that simple. If you gave me food, if you gave me shelter, if you gave me somewhere to go, you were my hero because... I didn't have anybody else. I, I I admired Carlton Fisk as a as a baseball player. He was my favorite baseball player, but he wasn't coming to my house and giving me medicine if I was sick. Yeah, mommy and daddy were. So <laughs> that's. I always say two things. My heroes were at my dinner table when I was a kid, and the only I don't I don't get involved in other people's business, politics, or thoughts, except this. I worry about the people that ate dinner at my dinner table. 
Those are the more those are the morals I watch. Those are the people I followed. Do whatever hey, you do your thing. As long as it doesn't affect me, do your thing. Yeah. So I think it, it, in society we do have a tendency to say, "Hey, he's an athlete. Hold him to higher standards." Now, if you get into college, I think you hold college athletes to a little different standards because you're getting tax-free money. You're getting money from taxpayers. That's what I, I think. That's where I say you should go to class. You should have to do this. You should have to do that because essentially your scholarship at a state school is coming from taxpayers. Yeah. So that's where I get into a little bit. Different. Pro athletes, yeah, it's a it's a business. Yeah, and then uh, Doug uh, Dougie Fresh says Ridley gets a year for gambling. If Deshaun Watson gets less than twelve months, would just prove the inconsistency in handing out punishment of the NFL. Well, I think I mean, we, right. I, we we know that we know that's inconsistency. Yeah. We know it's inconsistency. It shouldn't be because it's in the book. Like if you if you go and you're gambling against your team or for your team, three games. I don't think you need. If you gamble for if you gamble against your team, you should be gone for life. You can't. You, we can never trust that game again. The Pete, Pete Rose to me should never be allowed in baseball again, but he should be in the Hall of Fame. What he did on the field was Hall of Fame-ish. But you can't say he should manage again or he should coach again because I can't trust what he's going to do for the integrity of the game. That's a completely different issue. So now you're into do you trust him? And especially with all the betting going on in sports, you get, you got to be able to trust the guy. You can't just look at him and say, and I know Pete Rose, they say Pete Rose never bet on against the Reds. But when he bet on the Reds, did he know he was going to bet on the Reds the next day? And did he pitch somebody differently because of that? Those are my questions when it comes to the Pete Rose issue. But no, you can't gamble on sports. That's just. I think. Yeah. You cannot gamble on sports if you're an athlete and gamble on your team at all. I think you can gamble in sports, but not inside the league you're on. Okay. Uh, that, yeah. So you can do you like can you're, horse, if you're, you if you're NFL, race. if you're in the NFL, you can't bet on an NFL game, but you can definitely, I think you're you can go to a horse race. You, you can on go like to a, yes. MLB, yeah. you know, NBA, yes. and even college. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. We got Manny on the phone? Yes. Sir, Manny, doing? are you there? Morning, Jim. How are you? How you doing, Manny? I'm great, man. I'm, I'm going to miss you after want, today. I just just wanted to chime in on the, a little bit on the, the Sean Watson and, the, you know, holding athletes up to a higher standard. You know, when we were kids, I mean, I was probably a kid a long time before. I'm not, obviously, I'm not quite sure about your age, but, you know, I wanted to be, I wanted to play the game like the guys that I saw on TV or, you know. Yeah. And in my case, when I first started listening to you on the radio, I, I had to, and try to see, make a picture of these guys in my mind. So when I was playing football in the backyard or, you know, Little League Baseball, whatever, I wanted to be like, play like these guys. And, you know, the thing is, we had no idea or any insight into the lives of these people. No. Like we do now. I mean, none. Zero. Zilch. And I know it's hard for, you know, uh, you know Hannah's generation or, you know, even – you know, people that are 30 years old, you know, they just can't imagine that we had all we knew was what we saw yes. on TV or listened to on the radio or read in the newspaper. Yeah. That's all I knew about uh, Roberto Clemente or uh, uh, 
Cesar Cedeno or uh, whoever, whatever, Giant United, the guys that are, you know that you know that we followed. So you didn't really have you you didn't aspire to be the kind of person they were. It's like you said, the people who fed me, my parents, uh, my teachers who taught me, so on and so forth, the, the, the community leaders. So, you know, that's the big difference, I think. Now, we we, we just had no idea the kind of lives people were living, you know, and yeah. we know everything about well, these people. And it's very difficult. When you live under a microscope, just imagine yourself me, you, Hannah, anybody, basically, any human who lives under a microscope, it's extreme, exceedingly difficult. Yeah, I would hate to, to like I, I would hate for somebody, I would hate to somebody have been following me around in college. Uh, but oh, you're, you're right, and that's gosh, probably. I say that all the time. I, I, I even tell my, I've grown kids and I tell them, listen, I made so many mistakes. I mean, yeah. that nobody knew what I did. I mean, that. Listen, the things that they do are on the phone two minutes after you do them. I mean, yeah. you know, so if somebody was following me around until I was uh, almost 30, you know, until I got married, uh, I'd have been in, it, it wouldn't have looked good. I would have been in trouble uh. because but it, it would not have been a pretty picture. I wouldn't want my mom to have uh, you know, watch me on social media. No, when I was, not like at all. Said, college. So it, it, it's just a, very different world, and I would imagine it's got to be just tremendously difficult. Not not to say anything that Deshaun Watson or any other else that does terrible, bad, you know, illegal things should be doing. But you know, it's it's very difficult, and the legality of it all too. Now, you know, the, you know, with the with the system that we have, where we sue everybody for everything. Yeah. And, you know, so it's all, it's very difficult situation. All right, hey, all right. thanks, guys. Let me thank you, Manny. Thank you for the call. Too. All right, thank you, Manny. Manny, he's right, 100%. Probably shows I'm a little bit more his age than your age, Hannah, because I'm the same way. We also you remember sports writers and sports people used to protect the players a little bit. We didn't go out of our way to do that. Yeah. Now everything is out, not only is everything out there, but everything becomes public knowledge, and there's a there's a gitchy, there's a gotcha in the media that's a little different. Hey, I got him. Ah, different times, different days. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. See you after the break. Jim Gazzolo back. Still on the takeover. Have I taken the Hannah wants her own show. That's all I know is. That's all. No, no, that's not what I said. I said you and I have a show. Eh, no, nobody wants me on the show. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up, Hannah, with the latest. Oh, I guess not you because you work here. With, <laughs> with the latest Astros weekend getaway. The Red Hot Astros take on the Baltimore Orioles on Saturday, August 27th. And you can be there. Register for the game in the game clubhouse to score four tickets. A tour of Minute Maid Park and hotel accommodations for Saturday night. Astros Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher AC, La Meridian Houston Downtown, and The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Now, I don't work here. Am I eligible? Uh, I think so. I'm going to ask Ray. But I also never. I'm going to ask Ray. Okay, you ask him. I'm going to ask the big guy. I'm going to say, hey. 
a little something something maybe 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 throw my name in there a couple extra times however you get it oh yeah that's mm-hmm. all it's a win-win i go <laughs> i'll I, hey i'll make a win-win four tickets i'll take ray it's a win-win for everybody how's that i'd love to see the astros play I have. It was good. It was a good time. It is. It's a. That's a great. I. I love that park. I love the fact. I love re- retractable domes because I want. If I'm going to go to a game from a hundred miles away or something, I want to know they're going to play. Yeah. I don't want to set up my weekend and then have them not play, and then I. I take my kids and I can't go back because I don't live in the in the area. So that's, and, I think it's better baseball when it's not. 15 degrees <laughs> or 115 degrees make it's it uh, true. It's true make it uh make it what it is it was right. nice i didn't i didn't sweat I didn't all right all. The, the big question on everybody's mind is hannah how's your breakfast my breakfast is really good and I, I want to get to what, what are those doritos again what kind they're cool ranch flaming hot doritos cool ranch. now how can it be cool ranch flaming hot because it has the flavor of the Cool Ranch Doritos, so like the blue bag, but it's the flaming hot Doritos. So it's like both of them. So it's the best of both worlds. All right. So they're spicy, but they still have that taste of that. Cool, cool Ranch flaming hot Doritos. Yeah. All right. Si, senor. Okay. <laughs> okay. I was. I didn't know where you were going with that. <laughs> All right, Hannah. We've what? talked a little bit about this, but what is winning? To you for, let's start with the Cajuns, who opened camp today. What does winning look like? Do you um, want them, Do they have to win the game? Can they look a certain way? What are your expectations? Well, I don't think, so, no. They won't be able to get, I think, to the same exact stand as last season of getting 11-1. If they do, that's like the, I don't know, the most amazing accomplishment ever for the team. Doing it under that'd a new be, head that'd coach. That'd be fantastic. It'd be great. Back. Oh yeah, but I think winning for the Cajuns is more of sustainability. I don't think it's just barely winning, have a winning record. I don't think it's having the like most exuberant and the, you know the best record you ever had. You know, no undefeated. All it's going to happen. But I think if they were to have like a nine and three record, so about two game, about a game or two above what I think LSU and them will have. I think it's more of seeing that there's still a coherence in the team, even though they do have players that are gone, but knowing it's the same. The, the, the head coach was in their staff last season and is now there as their head coach. I think of seeing that coherence between the team and the staff, I think would be really winning for the team. Well, they got to replace Levi Lewis. Right. That, that, is, that is A number one. I know everybody talks about, well, they have running backs. They love to run the football. They play do this. They got that. You got to have a – you got to have a quarterback. We've seen teams that didn't have a quarterback and they struggle. You have to have the guy under center to make things go. Levi Lewis was that guy. He was by far their most important offensive weapon. I know the running backs were good, but they like running backs by committee because you, but you cannot do a, I don't think you can do a quarterback by committee. I think I, I love the fact that you have one quarterback. I want that one guy to take charge. I want him to be my team leader. I want him to be the alpha male in the room. That's just the way I think football should be played. They've got two choices, it looks like. They've got Ben Wooldridge and Chandler Fields, 
completely different quarterbacks. But I always say the quarterback, because Gary Goff has to make a choice at, at, at McNeese. Coach D has to make a choice at UL. And Brian Kelly ultimately has to make a choice at, at uh, Notre Dame. Oh, I almost said that. So, whoa. I'll get run out of the state for that. Uh, has to make a choice at LSU. Of those three, all three men, when they make their choice, are basically telling the football team, this is my extension of me. This is who I trust. You should trust him. It is a huge pick, unlike any other thing they will do, is picking a quarterback. I know that that sounds funny to people, but if your running back fails, optically it doesn't look bad to the rest of the team. When the quarterback fails and you have to keep replacing quarterbacks until you find the right guy, there is always questions in the locker room, and you don't want the locker room to be divided when it comes to who should play quarterback. Yeah, and I think it makes – so. Foot always says the quarterback, that's not the team. The quarterback is not the team. It's not, it's not the only player that's on the field. And he's not. But I do think having that main quarterback that's like, hey, this is my go-to guy, and having that one person at quarterback at all times, and, yeah, you have backups, and you should have already in your lineup, you know, okay, if this quarterback is out, it's going to be him, then him. Like, there's no yeah. toss-up between these two, either one who can go as the next backup. No, you have a certain order. You got to have somebody. You got to have somebody yeah. that those guys are going to fight for, right? And a reason for them because they are busting their butt to save the one guy. And if they don't like that guy, whether you believe it or not, whether they don't like that guy, I don't mean they have to be buddy buddy. But if they don't believe he's the right guy, and he's the right choice through practices, then it may not sound right. But when the fourth quarter comes. There's that one slip and not that one belief. You got to believe in that dude. You have to believe in that dude. Yeah, I think you. You matter what, you have to have your quarterbacks be set. It has to be one guy that you are like, as the coach, you're like, hey, this is like you said, this is my, you know, depending if he's left handed, right handed, this is my left or my right handed man. Like, this is who you need to go to. If you're like, okay, well, I'm not sure what coach says that this, this is the play that they're doing, but if the QB has to make a last minute decision of changing what that play is. They're like, all right, well, I trust in what my QB says, and this is what we're going to be doing, and that's how it's going to go. Uh, so he's not the whole team. that He's the only player on the field. You have to have other players on the team that work, well, too, as your running back, your wide receiver, like all of that. All that has to work together and be cohesive as one unit and as one lineup, but you also have to start off with that quarterback. He is the, you know, I, the priority first, the and then you go from there. He is the most important guy on the field because he's the only – he decides who gets the ball. He decides what plays are being run ultimately. He decides the tempo of the game. He decides basically whether you hang out of the football or not most of the time. I know Georgia did it a little bit differently last year because they had JT Daniels who started, but then he got hurt. But the group believed in their quarterback, so much so that when things went bad and Kirby Smart said, no, we're going to stay with our guy, JT Daniels was not a distraction about coming back. That's what you need. You need a one, You need one, everybody pulling in the same direction. I've seen it a hundred times when they don't, and you finish four and seven, three and eight. And you don't, you, you don't want that, and you don't want to set that tone – for these coaches, you don't want to set that tone in your first year. 
You want to set the tone that this is my guy, this is my team, this is how I go about my business. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. We'll be back after this. We're back. Just a little over an hour left. One more drive for me back to the Chuck. One more drive. How's that? Lake Charles, let's hear from you. I want to talk about McNeese if you want to talk. 103 or at uh, 1-337-706-0111. I was on somebody's uh, – uh, I had an hour last night where somebody was interviewing me on something called – oh, I forgot what it's called now. Street Yard. Street Yard, yes, or stream, stream Yard, I guess it was. And um, everybody wanted to know one thing. What? What's the record going to be of the team? What's McNeese's record? What's UL's record? What's LSU's record? You cannot, and it is impossible to say, you can never judge because you don't know injuries. Mm-hmm. You don't, and people want to hold you kind of, well, you said they were going to be in. They, didn't, they, they weren't one of you, you don't know injuries? <laughs> no, I'm just saying, that's what people say. They're like, well, no, they, I, I'm telling you, when, when I say, if I say, you're, I think McNeese will be eight and three. Okay. Or seven and four. And they go four and seven. The guy in the street is like, well, you promised me they'd be four and right? They'd be seven and eight, and we'd win a national championship. We're going to do this and do that. Well, I didn't know seven guys were going to get hurt. I didn't, you don't know that. Yeah, I didn't know this so, guy's going to blow out his knee. <laughs> so I, I'm like, you got to take the, everything I say with the prediction is a grain of if all goes right. Uh, that's why I always say if everything goes right, they're eight and three. That's if Nirvana hits and magic happens. If everything goes wrong, Four and seven. Four and seven. Probably somewhere around six and five, seven and four. I think a yeah. winning record is the key. LSU, the same thing. I think if everything goes right, 10 and two is the extreme top. I yes. think the extreme bottom is probably six and six. And I think they'll fall in between probably eight and four. UL, wow. it's not going to be 11 and one, but I could say if everything goes right, 11 and one is about right. Because they've done it recently, but if everything goes wrong, I would say seven and four is their is their low point. I think they'll fall somewhere in between there, kind of like the Price is Right game where the guy's going up the hill. Yeah, I'm I, to date I, myself, I would, but I would probably if everything would be spectacular, like at the top, I think for UL would be ten. <clears throat> ten and two. Ten and two, but I think realistically. If everything still does go right, if no one does get hurt, but with the, it being their first year with Coach Des and with a new QB, uh, I would say probably eight and four. Eight and four, I think nine and three would be very good. The thing, though, is, is and, and I try to talk to people about this, and I try to walk them off the cliff of college football. We don't know anything. No. <laughs> because we don't know what the transfer porthole players are going to be like. How many there were? Well, McNeese has 58 new football players. <laughs> I've never seen any of the 58 playing a game. I can tell you what the guys couldn't do last year, but I don't know what the guys can do this year. And I say that in I saw cannon arms. I saw players that are better at positions, but I haven't seen them in full pads. I haven't seen them play. I haven't seen them get hit. I haven't seen how they react to adversity. Those are all things that will judge your season. We don't know that. And you don't know that at Alabama. You don't know that at – now, you know that a lot of the pieces because you've seen them play before. 
But LSU, they've got a lot of guys that are new in the transfer portal. How do they fit in? How do they understand the Brian Kelly effect? How do the guys that used to be there take it? We have three football teams that we cover right here where we don't know enough about them to say they're going to be this or they're going to be that. Yeah, I, if you were saying, you know, last year, you know, oh, I could predict this. Yeah, you probably could predict this for, you know, for UL. I'm not so sure about LSU because no. Ed Odrum was still going out the window, and so are her. But <laughs> well, there you go, I think LSU. <laughs> go Tigers. Yeah. Uh, but I think this year it's going to be definitely a learning curve for all three teams. Yeah, a huge and learning curve. It, I mean, it's a learning curve for any team that has a new curve. coach or has new players and new players, especially in your starting lineup. A learning that, curve for the coach. Yeah. It's a new it's a learning curve for everybody. It's new experiences. And that's that's not always a bad thing. But I just, you know, when people ask me, because I, I know people, I, I said two three weeks ago, somebody really came up to me and said, who's going to win the Southern Conference? I mean, he's going to win the Southern Conference? And I went, no. <laughs> no, I don't think they're going to win the Southern Conference in this first year. But I also don't know who's in the Southland Conference. And I didn't mean that as what teams, although that's true too. I meant who's the players? Right. The Southland Conference, the top quarterback, according to the preseason poll pick, is Lindsey Scott Jr., who got beat out at Nichols and transferred to Incarnate Word by the guy who finished second in the preseason poll. So, who's what? I have no idea. How do they mesh? How do they mesh with new guys? Two of the top four teams probably have, have not only new coaches, they have new quarterbacks. There is no returning quarterback in the Southland Conference. There is not one guy returning to a starting job that started last year on opening day. So, in other words, what do we possibly have? What do we know? We don't know anything. And that's going to make it fun. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Takeover almost complete. One final hour. Hey, Hannah, I know you're getting married, but if you're ever hearing date night blues again, the game clubhouse at 103thegame.com or 103thegame.com can wait, help. Whoa, 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 wait. 103 or 103? 103.7. 103.7 thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Oh, my God. The game clubhouse <laughs> at 103.7 or 103.7thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. I get the game in the period. I get it. I mean, it's fine. Can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of the Rewards Club, you will have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse. I would love a steak, by the way. Me too. At Cypress Bayou or a $50 gift certificate to Acadiana Bar and Grill or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. Yay, Mabel's Kitchen. 
<laughs> but you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So sign up today. today. All right, I've really ruined this thing for the last four days for Ray. He will be back on Monday to put this train back on the tracks. Our train's been on the tracks the whole time. Oh, it's been hit It's by been a, a little bus. wobbly, but we've been on the tracks the we've whole time. We've hit a few buses and trucks along the way. but Buses and trucks, the train? The train hits the trucks and buses and it passes over. So there's 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 no little, like... Well, there are Bar thing to go down so that there's a lot of time. There's a lot of now. Wait a minute. <laughs> you don't travel enough, I guess, in rural world. Most train crossings don't have those. Really? Most train crossings in America just have the lights, but that's in the rural part. The big cities and that, yes, but uh, in rural parts, no. Hmm. Come sucks. to the come to the Chuck sometime. Oh. And go the back way in on on ninety, and you will cross a lot of you will see a lot of railroad crossings that only have lights. You saying nine doesn't really help me because I'm a person that I'm not good at the whole street thing most time. I'm good at landmarks. Well, so. yeah, but it's just on nine. Just take the ninety instead of the ten freeway. You take the ninety highway and see beautiful towns along the way. Sure. Frog City. You get to see all these things. I learned all okay. this when I was living in Abbeville during the hurricane and had I'm to drive so back. I'm proud of you for that. You had to go. <laughs> I, I, took, I took the back way from Abbeville to Lake Charles, which was the 9014, all certain different ways I went through places like Lake Arthur and all these cities that I knew were there but never had seen. And uh, I got to know the countryside. I got to know where I could go fast and where I had to slow down. And, are you a speedster? That you're uh, no, right I now? am not. I am a I am a guy who drives a, a, as as my wife says, patiently and painfully slowly. So you're you're a grandma driver? Not a grandma driver, but I I drive the speed limit. I I believe who in came the, up with that? I though? believe the rule in law. Who I don't believe in seventy one, seventy two, seventy three. I believe in setting my cruise control at seventy, and then. 69 yeah. maybe to give myself a little freeway. Yeah. Kenneth usually likes if it's the speed limit is 70, he goes the whole 65 on the cruise control. Yeah. I, I said, "Nah, man. 70 on the dot. Let's go." Well, I, I just I, I don't I, like I go 69, 70, 71. Maybe but, 71 when yeah. I come over a hill, but I I got <laughs> I like I like a whole, I got no place to go. I don't like people that drive and then like I see the speed limit sign in front of us and it says 45 and they're going like 20 and I'm like, "Dude, it's right there in front of you." Go Dude, that, it's go right that there speed in front limit, of you. not the one you're going. Okay. Right. I got places to go, people to see. All right. Not really. That's a lie. I, that's what I said. I don't get over to go. <laughs> Kirby Smart, $112.5 million new deal. Good through 2031. Just all he has to do is not get fired for cause. Now, if college, that doesn't indicate to me. College football has completely changed and that it is a business, business, business first. If realignment hadn't proven it to you, if the NIL hasn't proven it to you, $112 million to Kirby Smart should prove it to you that this is a business and that for the first time we're seeing kids getting involved in the business and taking care of business by going and transferring. 
Would you agree with that? I mean, do you do you, do you yeah. hate the transfer portal? Do you not care about it? Are you because your your generation created it? You're fresh out of college. Your generation made the mess of this. If they said, if you talk to old timers like me, my you generation made a mess. graduated. My my generation finally graduated. Yeah, but you're the you're the so first group I to go through. A, no, I'm, I'm gonna say my last year. My generation says, and I don't, but my generation says, ah, you're ruining the game. I, I say it's not. I say it's making the game equitable to kids who would norm. Now, I do think you could solve this problem. Simply by making it, you solved free agency in baseball and in other sports by making them sign contracts. Make the kids sign a contract when they come to college. No, the college can't cut you automatically, but you can't cut the college automatically. So in other words, if I, if I say I'm going to go to McNeese for three years, or I have, I have a four-year scholarship, I've signed to play four years. I have a two-year out option, just like in pro baseball that. At the end of two years, I can opt out of my contract with McNeese and transfer, or I can McNeese can opt me out and cut me, and I have to look. But you've committed two years to the program each way. Or we can both opt in, and I stay for the four years. Or, and then you say we have compensation. If I leave to go to Oklahoma because it's got better NIL money, McNeese gets compensated some of my NIL money, because I signed the contract originally to play for them. Make it a full business. I mean, you yes, you definitely can do that. I. Why wouldn't you do that? I mean, you, you've turned it into a business now. I mean, it, yes. That's it, accepting it. That it, gives you some stability. That takes away everything that people are complaining about it. That takes away the fact that somebody can leave after one year, leave after six weeks, or any point in time. It takes away the fact that a coach can take a scholarship away from a kid. I'm still saying he has to live up to, I have to get X, Y, and Z in grades. I have to do this and this. But it's all in the contract. Turn it into a complete and utter business like it already has been, and let's just go from there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, thought, thoughts on, on the transfer portal. I, I do care about the transfer portal. Yes, I do. I don't think that they should get rid of it. I don't think that it was wrong for them to start it to begin with. But I think there should be regulations. I don't think you really necessarily need to have a whole contract signed, which, yes, like you said, it could solve a lot of the problems. But if you make it to where, you know, it's like the trade deadline, like you have from this time yes. to this yeah, time. Yeah, I agree with that too. You yeah. have this time frame right here to be able to go into the transfer portal and go to another team. But that's the NCAA doing that, and the NCAA isn't going to do that because that's making a decision, and the NCAA can't do that. The NCAA have... can't make decisions. They want they, they say they want to, but they can't. They never do. I say they can't in saying they can't do it. They're incapable of doing it, not they don't have the power. They don't seem to have the ability or the willingness to go and make a decision on this. Yeah. They've created this monster, and now they don't know what to do. I think once your team season is over, you have from that time frame, that point of time, because it is different for everybody, yeah. because, you know, if you go to the national championship, da-da-da-da, so on and so forth. But by the time your team is out of the running for anything and your season is completely over, it's official, like, 
I don't know if, if you guys, when you turn your pads in, turn everything else in that you need to. That's not your that you're taking from the your last game, the, your last game. Yeah. yeah. After that, you have from that time for that point of time until two weeks before they start and have a training or anything like that. Because if you have that that one that what three months, four months yeah. right there. Yeah. You have to be able to transfer. You should be able to make a decision because you've already thought about this before you yes. decided. Yeah, you your last. I, no, game. I agree. Because there's no way the players are like, oh, I'm just, you know, on a random Tuesday, I'm going to go to Florida and I'm going to leave LSU or I'm going to no, leave Alabama. Need, NCAA needs a time frame and stabilize it and stabilize it and say you have from here to here to be eligible to play next year. Yes. And if you're not, if you're not into your program by X day, then you are not eligible to play that year. Yeah, a trade deadline, perfect. Yes. But I think that just preludes – there are pros. Solve it simply by saying everybody gets a contract. <laughs> Let's I mean, just do yeah, contracts. You can't just, do that, but I just it's gonna make it to where they're like, well, now I have to play here no matter what, and they, like I don't really want. Yeah, to but you have I've included opt outs in that process, yeah. so that you have opt outs to where you can say, I didn't do this. But what right now we have is we have bad be- guys doing bad behavior at times to get traded, right? Yeah. Oh, we should have trades in college. No, no, no. Oh. The game. That's too much work. <laughs> that's a little too far. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers, Houston Astros, and NCAA trades after this. Tired of having your pockets emptied out due to bad sports bets? 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Go! Listen up, because it's time to take down some notes and get paid with advice from semi-pro gambler Nick Fontenot. I get so nervous when I gamble. I'm so silly. Here is Cashing Tickets on 103.7 The Game, Acadiana's sports station, simulcast on Stadium 32.3. Nick Fontenot, how you doing today? Hey, I'm doing very well. How about you? I'm doing good. I got lots of questions for you on this because uh, I'm kind of new to the betting world. Um, how much play is the over-under on, like, college football wins-losses getting these days, and what's a good play for that? Well, I mean, it's it's, it's similar to NFL. I mean, that's, that's a very popular uh, preseason bet. It's a very popular uh, bet to put in before the season. And so, yeah, it gets a lot. It's, you're, you're you're trying to forecast your team. You're trying to forecast the other teams and and look at and look at who's going to win. So yeah, it's it's very popular. Lots of people like to do that. I have a few that I really like. I like Houston uh, over six and a half. That's that's one of my big ones. I like LSU. They're sitting right there at eight and a half. I think they're going to win nine or ten games. So I like I like LSU on the, on the over on it. But no, that that's probably the most popular preseason bet. Look at the whole slate. Look at these teams like. Like a, like a Maryland or like a Rutgers, and some of those will be will be low, like one and a half, two and a half. I remember Kansas a few years ago was over one and a half. They just had to win two games, and lots of people were taking it, and they, and they actually won the two games. So you can really find some bargains in, in college football where you can get some some teams with the with a low a low number and, and try to bet them. So yeah, very popular bet. Do you see that a, a lot of those bets going to conferences that are smaller conferences because? Um, 
they assume that wins are easier to come by, or is it a, is that predominantly a, a big conference you're picking? It's predominantly big conferences on a national scale because that's the teams that most people pay attention to. But if you're talking about these guys that, that are known as sharps, these guys who have uh, the more information than others or who do it professionally, they're definitely going to those smaller, those smaller schools because that's where the information matters most. That's where when you really study and you really look at teams from the Sun Belt or teams from the MAC that's not getting a whole lot of national publicity. That's where you really dig in and find out, okay, is Akron and Kent, what's up with that? Who's, who's going to win that game? Where's, where's that game going to go, going to tilt the, the win totals? Or even in the Sun Belt, like a South Alabama or a Troy, if you know a lot about that team and, and Vegas hasn't really caught up, you can make some money on those smaller schools, so it's it's really good if you really want to if you really want to do this and, and win some money. If you dig into those smaller schools and study study the numbers, that that's where you can kind of get an edge on yeah. the on the on the public. But most of the public is betting the SEC, the the yeah. ACC, and, and the Pac-12 and things like that. Deshaun Watson, his uh, status, how is that affecting action on the Cleveland Browns and? Is it uh, are are people actually gambling on how many games they'll get suspended? There there was some there was some betting on on how many games he's going to get suspended, but I think right now it's so up in the air. I don't I don't I don't really like uh, betting on rumors. I kind of I mentioned that a couple of times. Like when it, when it, when something's rumored and it's not really on the field, I like to stay away from that just because so many factors play in where you can have all the information that you really want, but it's something crazy happens at the end and like this is the Sean Watson thing I mean he can end up getting six games he can end up getting a whole season like we don't it, it's just so up in the air and nothing's really concrete so uh, there, there was some betting on how many games you get if you kind of get into some of those uh, crazier sports books but the ones we're familiar with like DraftKings, FanDuel, uh, the big ones they kind of stay away from stuff like that as far as the Browns go I mean they're they're just a crapshoot. I think people are kind of staying away from that because simply because you don't know what they're going to have and even if Deshaun Watson comes back he hasn't played football at this point. It would be almost two years when he comes in the game. I mean, we don't really know what we're going to get with Deshaun Watson, so I would just stay away from the Browns because even though Deshaun Watson's a really talented player football-wise, there's so much going on right there with that situation. I, I don't even think it's worth putting any money on. Last year, the Bengals made a huge run to the Super Bowl and made some people some money if you had them, but not a lot of people saw that coming. I, who, who do you like as kind of the dark horse this year to make a run and make somebody some money with surprises in the NFL? I mean, this is going to sound like a homer pick, uh, but it's really not. It's the Saints. I mean, nobody is talking about the Saints on a national level. We talk about them here, and we're engulfed uh, with the Saints, and so we kind of get tired of people maybe overhyping them or think, but man, that team is loaded offensively and especially defensively. The team is absolutely loaded. Now there are some question marks with Jameis Winston. Is he going to come in and play, uh, play well? Dennis Allen's first season uh, as head coach. Those are some question marks, but their over under win total is eight and a half. They won nine games last year, starting more starters than anybody in, in team history. I think if you put money on the saints to make the playoffs, to win the division, potentially win the NFC, I think those tickets could cash. Now, I'm a homer. I'm a Saints fan. I want those things to happen. But if I'm looking at it objectively, the Saints are going to be a team that make people money this year if, if they really pay attention. Nick Fontenot joining us. They're eight and a half. The Saints are only eight and a half for a win That's total? what I'm saying. Like, that's... that's what I've been saying. I've been telling people that's, that is the bet of the year. That is like a cash ticket that you, you can bet the farm on. I mean, they, they haven't won.
won fewer than seven games aside from the Hurricane Katrina year since the 90s. Yeah. So you pencil them in for seven every single year. They just got to find two more wins. They did that last year, starting Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill. They're gonna they're gonna win at least nine games. Now the juice on eight and a half is a little high. Like you'll have to pay like thirty or forty percent. It'll be like minus one forty for the eight and a half. But still, that ticket is gonna cash. I, I would be very surprised if the Saints don't win nine games. I'll be very surprised if they don't make the playoffs. And to win, make the playoffs, you're gonna have to win nine games. So eight and a half is just a slam dunk pick for me. Yeah, you look at their schedule, especially they got two at two at Carolina and two at uh, Atlanta, two teams that are not expected to be winning this year. So, yeah, I, I like that bet. Who else can you give me? Who can you give me from the AFC that you like? I like the Titans. I mean, I know the Titans have been really good the last few years, and, and it's not really a surprise if they were to do something. But I, I really like the Titans to win the AFC. I think that AFC West is really strong, and everybody talks about them. But those teams are going to beat each other up. And so I think that the, the AFC winner is going to come from a different division this year. Lots of people are picking – either Chiefs or Chargers, or they love the AFC West. I'm looking in other divisions. The, the winner of the AFC came out of another division last year with the Bengals. I like the Titans to finally get it done and make the Super Bowl. They've been on that cusp the last few years. I think this is the year they get over the top and make it. So if you, if you have a futures bet on the Titans, you can bet them to win the division or bet them to win the conference. That would be uh, something good this year because I think this is the year the Titans finally put it together. Give me any betting hope for my Bears. Anything you like about the Bears? when it comes to betting or take the yeah, under just, it is just all about justin fields and what he does so you know it, 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 that's a good point you bring up because if you don't have any hope which I, I've, I've been hearing a lot of bears fans don't really have a whole lot of hope for the season or offensively or what's going to happen so then you know pick a player pick, pick a justin fields and, and kind of root for him to have a good season so you can root you can take hey justin fields is going to throw for over yeah, three thousand yards or whatever his number is. Pick, pick a guy that you like and, and kind of follow him, and that way you're never really out of it. Even if the Bears are out of it, even if they, you know, they they have a bad season or they they start the season, uh, you know, two and five or something like that. The Justin Fields yards number is never really out of it. So as a Bears fan, you have a reason to tune in and you can bet on specific players. So that's what I would kind of do as a Bears yeah. fan. I. I don't see anybody competing with the Packers in that division, but hey, I I don't follow the Bears maybe as closely as you do, so you maybe have a little bit of information that you might have a little bit more hope for the Bears. Uh, nothing that gives me a lot of hope. I was, <laughs> nothing that gives me a lot of hope. All right, I wanted because I wanted to go to players next. That was where I was going anyway. Is give me a surprise or some guy that uh, a numbers game that you like that no, nobody's really on that just you think will surprise and could make you some money. Do you well, have a guy you like? Yeah, it's going to disgust me to say this, and I'm not really happy to say this, but my number one play uh, this season is going to be Julio Jones. I, I I just think Julio Jones is it hasn't lost as much as we think he's lost. He's going over to the Buccaneers. He's going to be playing in that offense. And Byron Leftwich, as an offensive coordinator, he likes to get guys these incentives. If they have incentives in their contract where they make more money to get a certain number of yards. Byron Leftwich is all about that. He goes to guys and asks them how many yards they need. And Julio Jones' contract is very incentive-based. If he gets 500 yards, he gets an extra 250000 If he gets 700 yards, he gets another 250000 So those numbers are going to add up. So right now his number is over 500 and a half yards. I think he's going to eclipse that easily. If he stays healthy, I think he's going to get up to 750 or 900. So I like Julio Jones. That's my number one like player prop 
for the season over 500 and a half yards. I think Julio Jones is going to catch it in. Uh, anybody, any running backs you like? I mean, I, I, it's it's hard because nobody knows running backs staying healthy is always the biggest thing. But what running backs do you like? Well, I don't have one that I like, but I have one that I don't like is Jonathan Taylor. Like he's he's the number one player in fantasy football, and everybody likes him. But I like him to go under. So remember, you can bet these guys to not have good seasons. If you like guys to have great seasons, bet them. If you like a guy you think he's going to struggle or think he's going to come down to the pack a little bit, bet him on the under. I like Jonathan Taylor to go under his yards and under his touchdowns. Uh, it's it's one of those things where I think he had a flash in the pan season, kind of came out of nowhere and had a fantastic, almost MVP season last year. I think he's going to take a little step back. So his numbers are a little bit inflated right now. I would be comfortable putting some money on Jonathan Taylor under, because I think those numbers are going to come back to the tackle a little bit this year. Is, uh, I don't know if this is out there, but is there a number on Sean Payton going to the Cowboys? Can you get oh. that number or anything? Well, we don't want to talk about that if, if Kevin Foote's in the building because that's no, going to make him really upset. But I, it's almost a guarantee at this point. I mean, there's tampering charges and, and talking about the fact that he was talking to other teams. I, I think he was trying to get out of New Orleans for a few years, and we just didn't know about it. It kind of became hush-hush. So uh, lots of Cowboys fans think that's going to happen. I know lots of Cowboys fans that are actually rooting against the Cowboys so that they have a bad year so that it's a slam dunk that Sean Payton goes. So if you can find some money on Sean Payton going to the Cowboys, that's probably a good bet. It's probably going to be expensive because I bet it's probably four, minus four or 500 for him to go because it's almost a guarantee at this point. But if you can find that bet, again, that's a speculation bet, a rumors bet. I don't really like to do that. But, but, but yeah, if you're into that or you think it's fun. I mean, look, it's all about fun. It's all about having fun. If you, if you want to bet on rumors, like there were lots of people betting on where Juan Soto was going to go. Yeah, last, there were. Last year he ended up with the Padres. Like it, it's all about fun. If that's fun for you, you go for it. And that was that was my last question before I get you out on this. How much did the baseball odds just blow up and change this week? Oh yeah, I mean the Padres. The Padres are now the favorite to win the World Series. I don't know if that's necessarily true. I still think the Yankees and Astros are the two best teams. But what the Padres did, adding Juan Soto, and not only Juan Soto, but adding Josh Hader on the back end of their yeah. rotation as the closer. I mean, Hader has two blown saves in this entire season in, in 38 appearances. I mean, he's, he's one of the best closers, if not the best closer. Edwin Diaz probably up there as well as the best closer. But, I mean, that's the closer in the playoffs is usually uh, usually a really important factor. So they added Juan Soto. They added uh, Hader. They're getting Fernando Tatis back. And that lineup, it was already stacked. I, I just think the Padres are the favorite to come out of the National League. As much as I'm a Braves fan and kind of following that, that race in the NL East, the Padres just became the favorite to win the World Series. And I think not only are they the, are they the legitimate favorite to win the World Series, I think they're the betting favorite because lots of people follow those things, those fun uh, fun storylines. Oh, the Padres now have Juan Soto and their, their lineup is stacked. They're going to put more money on it, and that's going to drive their line down. So I think that, that that's why they're the betting favorite to win the World Series. All right, Nick Fontenot, I want to thank you very much for your time on helping us uh, learn who to and who not to bet for. For her. Thank you this week. We'll see you next week. <laughs> All right, Jim. Thanks, man. All right, thanks. The game, 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. When we come back, Luke Johnson from The Advocate will join us. Houdan is ready for Saints talk. They give to Camara, breaks through, spins at the two, into the end zone, touchdown! Time to talk Saints with the Big Easy Blitz here on RP3 and Company. 
Jim Gazzolo back for our P3 final half hour of my takeover. Right now joining us is Luke Johnson from The Advocate. Luke, how you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. Lots of questions to ask you about the Saints. This camp now is really rolling. Tyron Matthew is back. Uh, that's obviously a big thing. How important was it to get him back and now get him going? Uh, I think it was really important just because, um, you know, we, we, we've kind of seen in the past um, – where uh, you add in new secondary pieces, especially new pieces uh, at, at a position where they're going to be responsible for um, you know, a lot of the defensive communication. And you, you, you've seen that kind of manifest itself in, in some, some blown coverages and stuff early in seasons. Uh, so I think it was really important for him to, to get in and, and to, to at least start the kind of process of, of saying, like, hey, this is how we're going to talk. You know, this is where I'm going to be. You know, get familiar with me. Um, because you know, I think once they once they get that down, um, yeah, I, I think they're going to be a very good secondary. They got really good players all over the place. Is that the biggest thing? Is that to kind of settle it down to make sure you don't give up the big plays? Because that is what killed them last year was the big plays on defense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, look, I, I think the um, the talent level on this defense is is through the roof, right? I, I mean, every single position um, yeah, they've got a. a Pro Bowl or All Pro caliber player there. Um, yeah, I, I think the the big thing is going to be minimizing the the lapses and in in uh, focus and and um, you know in, in having busted coverages and and blown assignments and you know those things lead to uh, lead to explosive plays. Um, and that's that's been something that's got them in the past. And, and part of that is just because they're an aggressive defense, right? Like they're going to mm-hmm. send um, they're going to send some people and they're going to play some. You know, some man coverage and trust their guys on the outside, but um, you know a lot of that has been um, just you know uh, poor assignment football in, in recent years, um, and you know it's been something they kind of struggle with early in the season and they get it squared away toward the end of the season. You usually see them putting up very very good defensive numbers toward the end of the year. Um, so if they can get that stuff kind of nipped in the bud early, I, I mean I think they're going to be really good. Are they looking for? It seems like they're looking for a linebacker because. Kiko Alonso comes into camp. There's some guys that are looking. Do they need one more linebacker? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I think they're set uh, as far as starters go, mm-hmm. right? But um, but I, I think that was when you're when you're looking at at the depth of the position. I think that was probably um, you know, one of the weakest spots on the on the roster, um, just in terms of of. You know, if either Demario Davis or Pete Werner were to miss time, um, who are you trusting in in that kind of off ball sideline to sideline role? Um, you know, I think Zach Bond is a really nice football player. Like he's got a, a lot of traits I really like, but he's just not a good fit for what. Um, you know, he really really struggled in coverage last year when given an opportunity. I think the same thing is true for uh, Keaton Ellis. Um, you know, they're both. Very uh, kind of old school, physical, run stopping linebacker types, um, and and not really uh, you know, guys you want to trust in the modern game to cover a running back or a tight end or a slot receiver. Um, so you know, it, it made sense for me to to see him out and add somebody that they've got a lot of familiarity with, Kiko Alonso, uh, somebody who you know in his in his peak of his playing days is a very athletic linebacker, uh, somebody who's playing coverage. Um, between him and Eric Wilson, now you've got two guys with some experience and some high-level experience, um, and 
you know, I, I think that's I think that's good enough for now. And you know, obviously they're going to see you know, they liked what they saw in Kiko Alonso's workout. But if if they go out there and he's really struggling, and you know, he, I mean, the guy has not played a snap of football since 2019. Um, you know, then maybe they can keep looking around. But for the moment, I think they're they're kind of set. It sounds like they were looking for a guy they can trust in certain situations if they had to go there. You saying? Yeah, yeah, and mainly it's it's uh, in that kind of. You know, I mean, they play uh, probably eighty to eighty-five percent of their defensive snaps. They've got five defensive backs on the field and only two linebackers. Right, and they're going up against all these three wide receiver sets. Uh, yeah, they're they're going up against these passing offenses. And they just needed they needed somebody who can play in coverage if one of their their top two linebackers goes down because right now I don't think they had that before they signed Kiko. Uh, not a lot of people have made mention of this, but Michael Thomas hasn't played with Jameis Winston, and now they are. How is their development looking? I know Michael Thomas got yesterday off, but how are they looking as far as meshing? And how does Michael Thomas look now that he's back playing football every day? Well, yeah, we, we still have yet to see Mike. Um, do a lot of competitive stuff. I think you know, through eight days of training camp, he's done only one, um, you know, one drill where he's like actually going up against the cornerback and, and, and you know fighting for the ball. Um, and then you know he, he played four snaps and he was thrown the times and caught all three. So it, like I, I think he looks he looks exactly like what you'd expect Michael Thomas to look like. You know, but this, especially like before this injury, right? Um, like he doesn't look off at all, but we just got to see it. I, I think we just got to see it more of it, and, and more of it against uh, you know against some of his teammates, you know, guys in a competitive situation that really you know, has historically brought out the best of Michael Thomas. As far as the connection between him and Jameis, yeah, you see him working on it a lot when you know when the team is is uh, you know, going through like a special teams period or. You know, some individual drills that don't require the quarterbacks and the and the receivers to all be together. You know, you, you'll see them link up in all those in all those moments and and work on something. The other day they were working on um, your timing on like back shoulder throws near the goal near the goal line. You know, and um, and yeah, I think that stuff is really important just because you know, Jameis has been here for two years and basically the only playing time he's gotten with Michael Thomas uh, was. You know, when Drew Brees got hurt against the 49ers in 2020, and Jameis Winston played the second half, and yeah, that that one brief uh, period together, it didn't really go that well. Like I think Jameis targeted him like five times, and Mike only had one catch in that game. But obviously, that was when Mike was dealing with the injury, and um, you know, we we don't really know what they look like together. So um, you know, it's it's going to be really interesting to see how that relationship unfolds. Obviously, a lot of talk about Jameis, but I, I want to ask you this. They really went out and they got Andy Dalton to be a security blanket and to help him in the quarterback room. How much does he kind of calm the nerves after last year when they had to go through so many quarterbacks? How is he kind of a calming influence on this camp? Well, you know, I just think uh, the Saints have, have made it a priority these last you know, four or five years uh, to have somebody there who's who's able to, to kind of fill in and be the guy if the, if the starter goes down. And I think that's it's really important when you got a team who you think is built to be a championship contender and I like I think they feel like their their roster right now one to ninety is a championship type of roster. You know, it kinda of depends on, on Jameis, right? Yeah. But like if you if you're if you're a team that um that feels like
like it's going to contend for a playoff spot. Uh, you don't want your entire season to go up in flames because of because of one injury. I, Andy Dalton is a guy who, you know, if if he's pressed into action, it's not ideal. But like you can still win games with Dalton, especially with this you know, very deep roster the Saints have. Um, and, and you know we've seen him do it in the past. They they went five and zero with Teddy Bridgewater, four and zero with Taysom Hill, and uh, or four and one with Taysom Hill, and then. You know, last year was a different story, and you know, I, I think uh, all the, uh, the the injuries took their toll on the entire team, and uh, and made it kind of harder for the backups to step in. But I think we still saw, you know, I, I mean, Simeon let him do a let him do a win, you know, in, in his first uh, first appearance against the Buccaneers. Um, yeah, I think it's it's really important for them to have competent, capable quarterback play behind the starter, and uh, and Andy is, you know, he's a guy. I think the uh, the entire team respects. He's come in uh, very quickly, established himself as, as just somebody they can all trust. Somebody who's like very sharp and knows what he's doing. Um, so yeah, you know, I I think that that was uh, an underrated kind of important signing this offseason. Offensive line is that still the biggest issue on offense, and maybe with the team is how that meshes and how they can stay healthy. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to call it the biggest issue. I, I, you know, I, I think right now I'm. I'm I'm a little bit more concerned about um, about what happens if, if Alvin Kamara has to miss time. Although, you know, with each with each time his court case gets delayed, yeah. like you know, maybe this is something that we're talking about next year too. Um, but you know, I, I will say they need to stay healthy. You know, it, it was it was really difficult watching them last year because they've they've been such a consistent, uh, high level offensive line, um, and you know they've they've had. You know, outside of uh, an injury issue with, for Teron Armstead or, or Andres Pete in the, the last couple of years, I, I and mean, they've been been pretty steady. And then all of a sudden, uh, Brian Ramchick gets hurt for basically the first time as a pro. Eric McCoy gets hurt for the first time as a pro. Andres Pete misses the most time he's ever missed. Um, you know, the only guy you had play all 17 games is Cesar Ruiz, who's who's probably you know out of your starting five, probably your worst your worst starter. Um, so, you know. <laughs> I just I think it's going to be really beneficial for them not to you know, knock on wood not to have eleven different starting offensive line combinations this year. I think they really like what they see out of Trevor Penning. Yeah, the fights aside, I think he's um, you know he's he's got some room to grow from a technical standpoint, but everything else is there. Right? Like he is a physical monster, and he's and he's picking things up pretty quickly. Um, so if he gets to where they want him to be, you know I, I think they're. They think Cesar Ruiz is taking a big step forward this year. Yeah, I think they, they could be a, a very good offensive line. Maybe not as good as they were in 18 and 19, but a very good offensive line. Is Penning's uh, skirmishes, I guess, uh, I know there was one one was a fight, but the other two weren't as big a deal. Are, are they that concerning, or is it kind of a young guy getting tested and a young guy trying to establish himself? Yeah, so I don't know. I'm kind of torn on this. Um, yeah, I think he's playing – offensive line the way everybody is taught to play offensive line, right? You play it aggressive. You play it up into the whistle. Uh, you know, you don't quit on a play. I think they really like that about him. I think the danger is when you start to develop a reputation, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then you kind of become a target. And then, like, when, when you know, you do something that, that puts somebody on edge, uh, you know, then everybody's waiting for you to do something that puts them on edge. Yeah. You know, and I think that was the case. That's why he got in the three straight, you know, three straight skirmishes in practice. 
um, was because you know he was he was kind of pushing the limits every day, and 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 then people were like, well, seventies the guy is gonna he's gonna you know mess with me. I'm gonna stick up for myself. And now, you know, I, I mean, people kind of around the the, the NFL landscape are, are taking notice of that. And I think the problem is if they see that as a potential weakness on game day, and you know they try to they try to instigate something, um, knowing that you know Penning's the guy who's not going to back down, mm-hmm. sort of thing. And knowing officials are going to hear about it too, and then they start watching. That's yeah, that's exactly. a big, that's as big a concern as anything. All right, Luke, I want to thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Uh, keep us informed on the Saints down there, and uh, it sounds like you're expecting a big year. Yeah, you know, I, I think they, they have a chance to be very good this year. Um, I think a lot of that hinges on, on Jameis Winston and, and, you know, some of these these questions that we think are uh, they have solid answers to. You know, it, it's as soon as they prove them, if they prove them, I, I think they, they have a chance to make a run at a division title and, and make a playoff run. And, you know, I think this is a, a very solid roster, 1-53. to 53. All right, thanks for your time, Luke. Luke, Luke Johnson from The Advocate. Uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, the game, 103.7 Lafayette, one hundred four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We'll wrap up my week after this. Final moments. I've got five minutes left, Anna. Do you want me to walk out of here and you, do you take it on your own? No. Are you ready for that? No, I'm not ready day. for you that. You were fine the other day. I do, I do <laughs> want to thank everybody for making this week so much fun. Hannah, especially... Obviously, our callers, our guests, uh, and all our listeners. Um, I had a good time. Ray will put this back on track. I have destroyed enough. <laughs> clean up. Clean I destroy up. a lot, so I, I'm not sure. For Raymond, it is clean up on aisle five right now. That, that's, <laughs> that's what I it will take. I wonder if he's back in town. Do you think he's back in town yet? I don't know. Probably not. He hasn't texted me saying you're terrible yet. So I guess not. Like last time? No. Well, when you call it RP3 in the morning, he's going to tell you, hey, that's not the name of my show. No, that was a long time ago. That was, a long, that was, that was back it before Christmas, even. That was a long, that was a year ago. That was a year ago. I, I got him as RP3 and company. I called him CP3 a lot, too. I was nervous. I was young. <laughs> I was nervous and young at the time. A lot yes, of sports coming up. U L S U U L McNeese all in camp now. Yep. All have things going on. Everybody's going camping now. U L. You know, it used LSU. to be that when you went, you know, we went to camp. A lot of schools used to actually go to camp. Now they do it all on campus, but they actually used to go to camps. Like an actual like a campground or yeah, a, a campground a camp or somewhere offsite. Camp offsite, maybe some big high school. And, and and stay in the town and kind of have a the kumbaya moment of a team moment, I guess. <laughs> have some team bonding. I wonder how you actually sing kumbaya nowadays. Me? You sing kumbaya? I don't know if camp? you can sing it. I, don't know. Um, I'm, I'm, I stay I'm out of the whole. Right. I stay out of the whole public <laughs> of, of what. I have enough trouble worrying about what I'm going to eat for dinner. I'm not going to. I don't know that either. I'm not going to worry about. I'm not gonna you got a poll question final? Do we I have poll do question final? Poll question final, which is, let's see. Oh, someone actually voted for one game. One game suspension. <laughs> uh, so leading the vote for how many games will Deshaun Watson actually be suspended for? We had one, six, twelve, and comment your own number. We have winning it is gonna be 
12 with 39%, 36% for 6, 22 for comment your own, and 3% for 1. Who we thinks you can get this better for one game? We didn't even have a full season on that list. Because I don't no. I don't know. I don't I don't think the now that there is a number of six games out there, I don't know if the union will let that happen. Would let a year go. I mean, you never know with the NFL. The the NFL union players union is actually in, in an interesting spot because you're gonna have to have guys who are never gonna get in trouble in the league. Are they gonna support somebody who is and is is hurting their own image too? Or do they say, No, this one is that's always, you know, the, the, the union is made up of players. And by that, most players don't get in trouble with the NFL. So I always wondered how much they were willing to stand up. Would they be willing to lose a game check for a guy that brought it on himself? I mean, right. you're asking I, a lot. I, I, there's no way that they think they would actually really stand for you know, what he has done because no. I don't see him in people's eyes where – any of that was okay. So they have to stand so, for the cause. Yeah, I think they stand for the cause of, you know, the group of, of, the group of women bargaining. and everything else. But, like, I think, as we've realized over this week, is that what he did was still, even if it's allegedly or not, if it actually did it, because, you know, if you were going to settle, then, yes, you most likely probably have done some of these things. Because you have some guilt. There's yeah, there's there's guilt in there. Somewhere but in your body there's when guilt. you look at what you said earlier about the you know, the PED um suspensions and even what Alec Kamara getting into a drunken fight, I mean, all of that there's no way that, that can equal the same amount of suspension of games as twenty four sexual assault a allegations. One a one time casino fight is not the same as a repetitive action yes that is is consciously done on a consistent basis yes and taking performance enhancing drugs is not i think would equal the same as suspension uh, games either no but that that you can argue that cheating but yeah i agree i agree well we'll see what that turns out uh yes, final will. moments here want to thank everybody i'm jim gazzolo if i see you down the road great if i don't i'm sure i'll talk to you from the chuck when we talk McNeese football the rest of the year. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. This is the game.